Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 398. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity where, uh, yeah, we have lots of fun in the pre-chat and sometimes we just start recording so that we can get all the awesome humor right there in the episode. You know this is not my typical introduction, but I can't wait to start getting Kim O'Neill and my chat that was happening in the pre-chat just recorded in in front of you all because we're having a blast. Kim, Thank you so much for being here. I know that was totally not an introduction. So let me just tell the listeners really fast who you are. Kim is a personal empowerment and interview confidence coach and a radio show host from Kim O'Neill Coaching. Thank you so much for being here. I just have to like pick up really fast what we were just talking about, like right before I pushed record. Listeners, have you ever looked at the word the T-H-E and wondered if you were spelling it correctly or not? Kim, share what words you look at, like, and just wondering. Okay, so yes, in, in this introduction you just did, I've been holding back my laughter because, yes, we've been having such a good time talking. So for me, the word who and why have been words that have, like, just sometimes I have these moments where I'm like, wow, that's a word. Yeah. W-H-O. Wow, who thought to make that a word? Yeah. So we're having a great time chatting. Listeners, go back and listen to some of the previous episodes and you'll hear about the fence fire and how like there was a fire here and it wasn't caused by my cooking. But we're talking and the neighbor kid starts mowing the lawn and then I smell pot. So we're talking about pot, which I don't do drugs. And then all of a sudden, like the word the and how I look at it. And I just had to remind Kim again, no, I'm not high. I don't do drugs. But sometimes I just look at this word and I'm like, what? And you've probably heard me mispronounce. I don't think I've mispronounced my name yet on the show, but I've definitely mispronounced Ooh. productivity. I don't know why. I just feel like I miss a syllable sometimes. Hmm. But now that we've gone off on a total tangent and people are like, what the hell show am I listening to? Oops. I don't normally like even slip a hell in there, but now it's out there. Hello. Oh, no. Go on. Yeah. Why don't you share with the listeners who you are, because I did not do you justice, and how you got to where you are today? Well, sure. So, yeah, so I am a former crime analyst, used to work at a police department, and now I spend more of my time doing the personal development work I love. So, so yes, I'm a personal empowerment and interview confidence coach, and I often work with heart-centered professionals and youth. And it's interesting, whenever I talk to marketing people or business-minded people who try to help you streamline your business. They always say, leave the youth out. You leave the youth out. And I just can't. So (laughs) I just, since we're on a roll of just being in the flow, I'm just going to share that here. So I work with heart-centered professionals and youth. And I do host a show called Every Day is a New Day. It's an inspirational interview show about moving forward and choosing to embrace a positive outlook. Because I think that life just continually throws us curveballs. And it's all about getting back up. And and fire. It, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. A fire, you know, five trucks in your backyard and craziness yep. going on. But you got McDonald's. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I, yeah, it's all about how you choose to approach it and embrace it and the mindset and all of that stuff. So, okay, yeah, I'm so, so intrigued bit. as a mom of five how you work with the youth, because I'm thinking of one kid in specific that I could send to you right now, but I want to know exactly. But I'm thinking of one, but tell me more. So I've been a youth mentor for about seven years, and I also do 
group workshops with kids, empowerment workshops. And I think it's so important for kids to know how amazing they are. And there are so many of us adults who get to a place in life where all of a sudden we realize, wait a second, stuff that I loved to do when I was a kid, I denied myself of it. I stopped that part of myself from experiencing that level of joy or whatever it was. And we have to like go back and revisit the things that we loved when we were a kid and remember who we were as a kid because that held more of the true essence of who we are. And so finally getting around age 40 or something and finally doing that work. And then you can spend the next 40 years being this awesome, empowered, energized self. However, if we could just support and inspire and empower kids to continue what they've already got within them, oh my goodness, what an amazing life they can have. You know, those first 40 years, they they don't have to, (laughs) I'm starting to not even use proper grammar. You're starting to talk like Ohio here. (laughs) We we chatted too long in the pre-chat. Oh my gosh. I just want that. I When I see a kid whose light has been snuffed out and they're only 10, Mm -hmm. that's heartbreaking for me. And so even if it's only a few moments that I get to spend with a kid, seeing them, letting them know it's okay to be who they are. And if there's other kids around and you can tell that they're feeling scared to go and ask if they can play with the other kids, I love being able to be there to support them in that and facilitate that connection and normalize situations like that. Yeah, you might have one kid over here who's totally confident and he's already got his stuff going on and you've got another kid who's not. And let's bridge that gap for where the two of them can come together and go, oh, this other kid, I didn't realize how awesome this other kid was because maybe he was shy and he was a little quiet. And being able to draw those kids out and not necessarily make them something that they're not, right? It's not about saying, you can't be an introvert, you have to be an extrovert. It's nothing like that. It's about supporting the kid And knowing it's okay to be exactly who they are and allowing them to express that and then also see that they're still supported and cared about and encouraged. So that's what's underneath the youth part of it for me. That's incredible. So I don't normally talk about him much on the podcast, but my ex-husband is a little bit of a criticizer a little bit more than a little bit of a criticizer. Like even when I was married to him, it was like there was nothing that could be done right. And I ended up leaving him because he was being abusive to the kids. He's not being abusive to my boys anymore. And he knows. I mean, I only live a block and a half away from him. He knows okay. if I hear any wind of it, then I will call the cops. And now that the kids are older, they can tell the cops their story. Wow. Good. But it did rub off on my older one because he was eight by the time. Okay that it had started to rub off and he was starting to actually bully other kids. So whereas my son who is three years younger is Mr. Popularity and soccer jock. And I mean, he's nice popular. He's not like jerk popular, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah. But there's just that big personality difference. And the younger one of those two, I mean, if this is your first episode listening I have five kids. So I got remarried. My husband had the genius idea of having one more. And then we had a oops, here's twins to go along with her. So um, <clears throat> there were still me. It's just different creatures. Like, was it Wizard of Oz? Horses of another color? Those three are completely different. But anyway, <laughs> the 12 year old, I mean, his personality is just completely different. And he thinks he knows he can take on the world and get anything okay. that he wants. But the 15 year old, constantly doubts himself and he almost self-sabotages too 
Like mm-hmm. he'll purposely do things that he knows he shouldn't be doing. And a couple of weeks ago, he got grounded. Okay. And I actually had him read Think Better, Live Better by Joel Osteen. I told him, you need to read this. And then we're going to talk about it. And he actually sat right next to my desk reading the whole thing. This is the first time I've ever actually forced him to read a book. Okay. I kept on hearing him go, hmm. I was like, well, so what are you learning? And so he was getting a lot out of it. But then when he didn't get ungrounded, by the end of the day, he got a little bit pissy. I can't even think of a better word. I was okay. like, so is your is your attitude going to be like that? Because I can make you read another book tomorrow. I, I've got a whole bookshelf right here. I actually handed him a Tony Robbins, Awake in the Giant Within. That's a fat book. Wow, it is. I know. I've seen that book. He's like, you're going to make me read this? I was like, well, unless you want to change your attitude. He's like, no, I'll change it. But he was still a little bit. Err. So the okay. next day, he and I watched I Am Not Your Guru. Oh, Wow. And he got so much out of it. His personality did shift around. But I'm trying to get into his head that he controls his outcome. And even though he might be criticized, I mean, he got criticized this past weekend for how he was eating his dinner over at his dad's house. Like, just eat the food. Please do not feed the dog. That's how it is in my house. Like, eat like human and not like a savage barn animal. Right. But I was just like, you control your outcome. If I hadn't figured that out when I was 30, then I would still be in that marriage and not realizing that I could make myself happy. Yeah. And it's tough for kids because, I mean, so often we want our parents' approval. And so things like that really can make a huge impact on us and how we see ourselves. Oh, absolutely. But it was like one of those things. I mean, no kid should have to go. I actually did send a text message to him after I heard to my ex, I was like, does he seriously need to put down his burger between every single bite and chew it a specific amount of times? Mm. I was like, uh. I mean, the abuse is gone. The criticizing is still there. But I reminded my son, and I think all kids need to realize this too, is I reminded him that often as we get older, that our family becomes, it's not so much about the people that we were born into anymore. It's yeah. the people that we've turned into our family, our closest friends, and the people that we want to associate with. So he can make that decision, and maybe he won't even want to see me, but that's his decision, and I'm not going to hold him back from his happiness. Absolutely. But I think it's also really important to remember that our parents are just people, too. Mm-hmm. And I am not a parent. I have had tendencies of, you know, I love that your show is called Positive Productivity is Not About Perfection, because perfection is something that I have struggled with and I've had to shift within myself. I used to really believe that there is a best way to load the dishwasher. Kim, I'm one of those people. (laughs) and I've gotten better. I mean, I still have my way, but I'm not going to necessarily think that like the whole world is like crumbling if someone else loads it differently now. I get it. Like, oh, the, the same mission can be accomplished different ways. And I don't know why I went in that direction, but no, I love it. Actually, I'm wondering if my laundry that's being cycled right now would drive you crazy because I have whites and colors in the same load. Actually, no, I do that now too. (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, I guess I'm just trying to say that I learned that from my own mom who I've got to be honest. I don't know if she considers herself a perfectionist or not, but there are so many things I learned from her and I just thought like, that's the way you're supposed to do it until you get older and you move out on your own and learn, 
oh, the, no, there's like 50 million ways you can load a dishwasher or do your laundry or shop in the grocery store or eat your food. And like you said, we get to decide. We get to choose how we want to do things, the perspectives we want to have about ourselves and people and life in general. And I think I don't blame kids for feeling like there's only one way when we learn from our parents first. And I just think that it's it can be really helpful to be taught if there's a need for it, maybe to be shown that, hey, look, you know, parents aren't perfect either. And it doesn't mean that a parent is a bad parent because they've maybe taught their kid to do something one way, but that parents are people just learning how to do life too. And I heard, where was it? I was watching something the other day. Oh, I was watching it. It was on the learning channel. So anyway, so yes, I was watching a show and there was this scene where this mother and daughter were having a rift and the daughter went to stay at her boyfriend's house and the mom's friend decided to drive to the boyfriend's house to try and make amends between the mother and the daughter. And the mom's friend said something about, you're never taught how to be a mom. You just know how to love and then you go from there. And I love that. I feel like there you go. There's your parenting book right there. Like I want to remember that for one day when I have a kid, no one is taught how to parent, you know, how to love, and then you just do your best from there. And we all make mistakes and it's learning how to forgive ourselves, forgive others, you know, and know that even when someone else hurts us, that they may not have meant to, maybe they had good intentions Mm -hmm. and Yeah. Anyway, I guess I just wanted to say something around all that. (laughs) Well, I was so worried about being perfect for so long until actually I left that marriage that I would lie to cover up my imperfections. I was a chronic liar. And I've told very few lies in the last eight years, like probably five. Good job, Kim. Yeah. I mean, lying becomes a habit. But I realized this is not the way to lead this new life. And I forgot where I was going with that. But I I love that. I feel like maybe were you going in the direction of it takes courage to not lie and start oh, to be truthful yes. with ourselves? Thank you. Yes, actually, thank you. That's exactly where I was going. You okay. just brain farts and mind bullets. It just went. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's Powerful a, farting. Yeah. What I've realized, though, is even when life gets crazy, and Kim, you know that my life gets crazy. I mean, we had to reschedule this chat. See, this is why it happened. That even when I can't do client work when I intended to, if I am just open and honest with them about why it didn't get done, like I don't want to be the queen of excuses at all. Right. But if I start making up stories about why it didn't get done, then it's all going to catch up with me. But when I'm just truthful, like I'm thinking just of one case in specific. I mean, the client came back and it was like, oh my gosh, I have had the week from hell too. Don't worry. Aww. I'm not even ready for that yet. So let's just get it done. Good. I hate not being timely. Like that's my biggest peeve for me is not being timely, but throw in five kids, two businesses and a podcast and life. And wow. it just, oh, every day that I have planned out to go exactly how I wanted to just, it never does. Actually, this is the first day in a while that I have stayed on schedule and I've actually fit in bathroom breaks and laundry in between. Woohoo! Living life. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I am taking from my own childhood and trying to enforce with my kids is even, and I'd love to know what your thoughts are on this, yeah. 
looking back, I believe I went to college because that was the way that my parents had done it. Okay. And that was the way that I expected it had to be for me too. So I chose a career. I was such a nerd. I was reading the Barron's book of colleges when I was in like 10th grade, making a list of the colleges that I was considering. Oh, wow. Okay. And I wanted to be an interior designer or an architect. And I was for 10 years. I did follow that path, but I have no passion for that. I mean, my kids don't even have a dresser. We have Rubbermaid bins that we just throw their clothes in because why? I mean, they're just going to decorate it. But that's one thing I've been talking, especially to the 15 year old about is yes, I would love for you to go to college just so you can have, unfortunately in this society, I think you do need to at least show that you had some type before your degree. Yeah. But please don't choose a career because of money. Like, don't find yourself sitting behind a desk doing a job that you hate for the next 30 years. Yes. Just because you think that's what you have to do. Because he told me he was actually considering accounting. And I was like, why? I'd never even seen you look at a spreadsheet. (laughs) We talk about money when we can't spend it. I hate to say it like that, but that's just the truth. I mean, we're very open in our house about finances with our kids. Okay. And that was not how I was raised. And both my parents were accountants. Like, oh. we just didn't talk about money. But that has flipped. I'm like, so why do you want to do that? And he's like, well, I heard that they make good money. And I was like, can you see yourself doing that for the next 30 years? Yeah. What do you want to do? And he's like, I want to be a Major League Baseball umpire. I was like, well, then we need to find your way into that. But don't oh, go to college so to be an accountant just yeah. because you think that's what you need to do. And I think that's what we disempower ourselves. Yes. Oh my gosh, Kim. I love that, that you empowered your kid to go for what he wants. Yeah. My experience, it's interesting because when I thought back about it, I did always have an interest in going to college, but I really don't even know where that came from. I think somewhere along the way I heard, oh, you're supposed to go to college. So me and my childhood best friend, we had this plan. I'm doing air quotes, by the way. We had a plan that we were going to get a full ride scholarship to UCLA because we were both here in California, full ride scholarship to UCLA. And then we're going to get married and we're going to start our family at age 22, 23. And then, you know, life is just going to be blissful from there. And, And it's so funny because of course, that's not the way it happened for either of us. And I would say for me, I didn't really have, now I just, okay, I need to preface and say, my mom's amazing. I love my mom. But the truth of my situation is I didn't really have some, like an older adult in my life telling me that I need to go to college. It was just something that I kind of knew that would be good for me to do. That's the thing you're supposed to kind of do once you get out of high school. And yes, this will help me somewhere down the line in my career path. So for me, because of that, I think that's why I wasn't really focused on it right after high school. I started and stopped and started and stopped and started and stopped. And oh, in the middle, I got married (laughs) and I moved away. And then I tried to pursue my dreams. I mean, there was a lot of like haphazardness to it. And you didn't really ask me that question, but that was my experience. And well, I'm curious now, what did you go to college for? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for asking. So I ended up getting, I started out as a journalism major, and then I ended up switching to communication studies with an emphasis on interpersonal and organizational communication. With that said, though, when I was a kid, I always had the dream of being an actress, but also I saw myself being a psychologist or something in that field. And so throughout the years, done research and seen, oh, okay, you know, it's okay to get a, a bachelor's degree that's, 
you didn't necessarily have to have a psychology bachelor's degree in order to become a psychologist or something in that field, that direction. So, and by that time in my life, I was in my mid twenties and then eventually late twenties. And I had been working full time and doing school part time for what ended up being a total of a decade. And that was a lot putting yourself through college. So when I finally switched to communication studies, definitely was because I loved that major. I took one class just to see if I liked it. And I fell in love and I said, Oh yes, I'm absolutely doing this switch. But it was also because I was exhausted. I was working full time, doing school part time and journalism major, even part time. That's a lot of work. And then also trying to have a social life, trying to have a boyfriend or relationship dating. And it was a lot. So communication studies that finally adopted the motto, C's get degrees. And I don't necessarily want to recommend that. Of course, I do not encourage that to any kids that I mentor or work with at all. But I needed to do that for myself because as I said earlier, you know, I was coming from a perfectionist mindset originally, you know, putting my all into everything and realizing I am just getting burnt out. Something's got to give a little, and I'm not just going to stop pursuing my degree altogether, but where can I ease up a little? So anyway, being a little easier on myself, if I didn't quite get an A or even a B, but just continuing to stay focused to the degree that I can to pursue and finish mm-hmm. my education. I got grounded in high school if I was not on the honor roll. And I took oh, that wow. to college with me. And I was in inter-architecture. And I went to art school. So we were the only department in the whole school who was already living. Like, Well, I didn't live in the studio. I actually did my work in my dorm room. Because I was not working in the studio with my classmates, like I was taking out that social. I mean, they were going out to eat. They were living the truest college experience at my college as you could possibly get without being at a traditional college with a sorority and fraternity. It's, I don't know how better to describe it than that. Okay. But I was in my dorm making sure that I was going to get the highest grade that I could. And I was putting all that pressure on myself. And I was burning myself out by the time I even graduated. But when I moved out of the dorms and into an apartment and met the bars of Chicago, then I finally learned how to relax my senior year of college And I actually still did just as good as I was before. I've learned that in my own business too, not by meeting the bars, but by getting more sleep and stop worrying about working 24-7 every day to get all my work done by actually bringing sleep back into my business and removing myself, work has improved. That's a success story right there, Kim. That is so good to point out when you brought sleep back into your business. Wow. I mean, I went a year and a half with two to three hours of sleep after my twins were born until I got to the point where like I was laying in bed. I was looking at the ceiling fan, wondering if I could wrap the sheet around it and if it would support me. And I laid there just praying, please, God, let me stop this. And it was just an amazing night. And I'm being serious there. Just things happened for me spiritually that got me out of that. And then positive productivity really got rolling. And I realized, okay, this is what I need to do. I need to make sure that other entrepreneurs aren't going down the same path. Because, and I didn't even know that Ariana, I think I'm saying her name right, Huffington was out there with Thrive and Sleep Revolution. I wish I had been introduced to that earlier, but maybe I wouldn't have even absorbed it. How do you feel about the expression, your mess makes your message? I think it's so true. 
also we teach what we most needed to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the reason why I paused on that is because sleep is something I feel like I'm continually working on. I'm getting better, but I love hearing your story about how things actually improved once you got more sleep. I'm continually working on it myself. How many hours of sleep did you get last night? Let's see. I got, well, it was interrupted, but total sleep. I actually did get somewhere in the ballpark of seven, I want to say, which is like, that's rare. (laughs) So it's usually around like five, six, but I I believe I got around seven. So in full disclosure, I was up way too late last night. I was up till two, I think. And I was going to set my alarm for five. Okay. But finally, I was just like, no, the heck with it. I am not going to be productive if I get up at five. Naturally, I woke up around 630, which still wasn't that much better. Yes, I could use a nap, but I'm so full of energy. And I'm just, well, I've been like this really since we got on, even in the pre-chat. But I knew that if I got up at five this morning to do what I thought I needed to do, which I do need to do in full disclosure, I do need to do what I was going to get up at 530 to do or five. But I would have been worthless for the whole rest of the day. Yeah. So it's like, okay. And I mean, I've gotten laundry done. By getting the sleep and by not over uh, working myself, for the first time, I think, in several years, I have a clear path from my office to my bedroom through all the rooms where there are no landmines of toys on the floor. <laughs> nice. This has never happened. Like last night, listeners, you're going to think that I'm a slob, but usually we go to bed with our kitchen light on. Because there are landmines of Legos and we're just so tired. You do not want to step on a landmine when you're heading to bed. Yeah. But we were actually able to turn off the lights. I mean, the neighbors must have thought our power was still off. But we all the lights were off because there was nothing in our way. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I'm empowering myself by decluttering. That's so good. It really is powerful when we clear out clutter other things become easier and can flow in and our minds can be more open. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. What forms does your clutter take? Okay. So my clutter takes the form of stacks of papers. Mm -hmm. So stacks of mail, stacks of notebooks where I've taken notes on this and that and this and that, and uh, lots of notes from different events that I've been to or workshops I've participated in. And then just things that I start to take off the shelves and I go, oh, I'm going to need that again really soon. So I just leave it out. And then before you know it, I've got like five, eight, 10 things all stacked up together. And it's like, okay, I haven't looked at that in probably two weeks. I could probably stand to put that away. And then of course, once you know it, I'm going to need it like the day after I put it away. But it just one by one starts to pile up and dishes sometimes. Ugh. So yeah, it takes different forms. Yeah. Like, Kim, I was wondering, and I'm so sorry, I don't know this about you, but do you drink coffee? Yes. Okay. So I do too. However, right now, starting today, I can't because I'm doing some sort of like medical exam in two days from today. And I've been told I can't have any caffeine. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to go without for two days. But I was wondering, is it okay if I share a little tip with your audience about what I do when I really haven't gotten enough sleep and I need to like energize myself? Please. I'm staring at my elliptical actually thinking I need to energize myself. I really... Okay. Yeah, please help me. Okay. And I mean, and this is like, you know, in lieu of coffee, if you can't do coffee. So this might sound like, what? What is she talking about? But I've been surprised how many times this works for me. So 
because there've been so many times where I only got like four hours of sleep or, you know, maybe three hours of sleep, something like that. And it's like, it doesn't matter. I have to get up and go. So then what I do is, okay, I've just woken up and I have to get ready. But if I can just take 10 minutes and it doesn't even need to be more than 10 minutes, just take 10 minutes lying in bed and breathing like deliberate, slow, deep breathing. That doesn't put you back to sleep. No, because I'm focusing on the breathing. And like, so I'll put on like a little, I've got all sorts of different meditation clips on YouTube that I have in a playlist of my own. So I just choose which one I want and preferably one that's 10 minutes. So I know when it's done, but I just put that on for 10 minutes and I start breathing and I just keep going and I keep going. Maybe when I first started, I would fall back asleep, but I don't anymore. It's like, once I start, then my body knows and it feels so good, Kim. And it literally can happen within 10 minutes. And I actually feel more alert, energized, and I would have only had four hours of sleep. So, I mean, it's not going to take the place of like getting, you know, more sleep that our body needs, but it can really make a difference when you have to just get up and go anyway. If you just take those few minutes to do slow, deep breathing and it's, it feels so good. <laughs> I have just recently and just in the past couple months stopped jumping out of bed oh. when I wake up and have actually been laying there doing gratitude in the morning. Oh, and nice. So I think I'm going to incorporate the, the breathing as yeah. well because I mean, jumping out of bed for me also doesn't work because I don't know. I'm sure somebody out there with more knowledge on biology, that was the one class that I got to see in. But like, I get dizzy when I jump out of bed. Oh, yeah. That makes sense because it's like a rush of blood. Body's having to like recalibrate. I've heard someone say before, and I really loved this, that the slow, deep breathing is you're essentially, you're like bringing your life force back into your body. I can see that. Yeah. And actually, Tony Robbins and Brendan Burchard both talk about breathing as well. You know, they, they do their breathing exercises, but I mean, peak performance and high performance right there. I mean, yeah, but I've also realized that on those days that I really just need to wake up, my showers are caffeinated. Like I'm not showering with coffee, but just getting the water flowing over me, like that wakes me up. Even with a hot shower that some people say is relaxing, it just wakes me up so much. Yeah. So I have a question about all the notes that you said you have. Okay. They're just in different notebooks or do you, I have a problem with index cards. Oh. Yeah. Because then the kids walk off of them. But what I've been trying to do is I get bound notebooks Uh at the store now. Yep. But even at Walmart, you can get like five to $10 bound notebooks and that just keeps all my stuff in one place. And then I have all my notes for everything. So anytime I'm going through a live course, like every one of my notebooks is dated so if, if I can remember when I went through this course or this training, right. then I can just go grab the right notebook. Yeah, I have become a huge fan of notebooks as well. And the current notebook I have in front of me, by the way, <laughs> I got from the 99 cent store and I'm so pleased with like it's a, it's a legit solid notebook. And I've tried doing one notebook for for each separate thing that I've got going on, have a separate notebook. And that sometimes works. But then like, let's say you actually use all the paper in the notebook or like if you try to use one notebook with those dividers and go, okay, this section is just going to be this topic. And that next section is just that next one. But then you use one section more than another. Well, then you've got overflow and (laughs) oh, well, so I do my best to be as organized as I can. And when it gets beyond that, and I really need to know where I wrote something down, I'll use those little different, there's all sorts of tabs or sticky 
Not just post-its? Yeah, thank you. Not just post-its, but like those little flags, like little colored flags. And sometimes, yeah. So I'll just, I'll use those and flag different things. And um, then sometimes if I really, really want to remember something and I'm not going to pull those pages out of a notebook, then I might use like one of the big flags where you can actually write on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do that. Yeah. Like I, I have different things that I track mm-hmm. in my journal. But like right now, I just started a habit chart. But I actually just taped a post-it in there because or else the kids will tear it out. I wish they would just leave their hands off my notebooks, but they won't. But I wrote on there, habit chart, so I can see it from outside the notebook. Nice. Because or else I go crazy just trying to find that one page. Right. But... Yeah, my index cards, if I leave them on my desk, they just go walking off. My parents both had stacks of paper or newspapers or magazines. They were divorced, but they both had the same paper clutter issues in their own houses. And that went with me. When my husband moved in with me, I swear I had no less than like 10 different paper piles around the house. And when we got married, I actually wrote into my vows that I would work on reducing clutter. (laughs) (laughs) no joke like it's in the wedding video that's awesome and today i hate to say it but he's the one with the clutter problem yes you've done good (laughs) no i'm kidding i'm kidding well i do have like all the bills that come in the mail and i have these fabric bins that i just toss them in because i know i pay all my bills online i don't know why i still get paper mail like the junk mail gets thrown right out that's like it why do kids put junk mail on my desk like i just want them to throw it out but Everything gets put on my desk because it seems that in my house, I'm responsible for handling, except for cooking dinner. You're the mom. Yep. So what do you do to empower yourself? But before you answer that, how are you going to avoid the caffeine withdrawal headache? Oh, my gosh. Well, knock on wood. Let's not jinx anything. So far, I'm doing okay. I have gotten into the habit of drinking, I would say, around two glasses of water in the morning as well. It's probably more like one and a half glasses, but I, let's see about six months ago or so I did this clean eating challenge. And some of the habits that I learned during those 30 days I've stuck with. So one of them is in the morning, get a half glass of water with fresh squeezed lemon juice, some cayenne pepper, just a dash. And then I think it's a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar, mix that up. And it's like a little mini cleanse just to kind of get your system going and alkaline and that kind of thing. So I've been doing that every morning for the last six months. And then I would taste like (laughs) if you don't think about it, you don't really taste anything. But yeah, if you think about it, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of tang. It sounds like like, yeah, tang like the brand, but I I just can't imagine lemon and cayenne pepper and apple cider vinegar. (laughs) It's a little bit of a like a sour bitter, tangy kind of flavor. But yeah, I don't drink it to taste it. I just drink it to get into my system. And I actually use, like I have those reusable plastic straws. Yeah. So it doesn't touch my teeth because lemon juice on your teeth is gonna, every day would be a bad thing. So I drink it that way and I I just do it pretty quickly. So I think that's what's gonna, what's helping me for today. But yeah, it is kind of a letdown when you realize, oh, I can't have coffee today, darn it. About six months ago, I decided to give up soda. I can't say I've been totally perfect. I actually just recently in the last month went through a rough patch where I was back on it. But today is day two of going back off soda again. And 
I had the crazy idea of going off coffee at the same time. <sighs> and I got such bad caffeine headache that oh. like it made me sick. But because I mean, but I wasn't drinking practically any water. I mean, that's bad when you're just ingesting caffeine all day long. So this time I'm not so worried about it. So maybe it won't even, I mean, how much coffee were you drinking? I have a small pot. So the full pot, but it was, it's a small pot. It's yeah. like a four cup pot or something like oh, a, you know. wow. Okay. So you, you'll probably be just fine. We have a 12 cup pot. Well, if I had more, I would drink more too. <laughs> yeah. True that. Yeah. Sometimes I make two pots. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Let's back up a second. Okay. So you're a personal empowerment and interview confidence coach. Yes. Aside from kids, what do you do then? Like, I want to hear more. Yeah. Okay. So I work with heart-centered professionals and that's my way of summing up people who put their heart into the work that they do. So Mm -hmm. people such as teachers, other helping professionals like therapists, social workers, people in that field. So other coaches, some people, when they hear me say heart-centered professionals, they think that I'm talking solely about spiritual entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. but I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about them too, but more than that. And so for me also, I include into that category, public safety. So firefighters and police officers. And 10 years ago, I probably would have never thought that that would be an audience that I might be able to serve. However, today it is because for about eight years, I did work in, I worked for a local city government and I had the the privilege of working both at the police department and the fire department and working closely with officers, not in a coach role, but in a role close enough where I got to see the work that they do, what they go through and get to know them as people. And I do not like to stereotype. So in no way am I saying that they're all the same because they're not. However, I did also learn that a lot of them, they're in that line of work, maybe I'm sure for a variety of reasons, but one of those reasons is because they want to serve, they want to help. And that may not be a part of themselves. It's a little different with firefighters. Firefighters, you can totally see that on the outside, but not so much with police officers. And that's a part of themselves that is usually hidden, tucked away somewhere, you know, and probably really protected inside because they do get a bad rap. And anyway, so them as well. So anybody who's putting their heart into the work that they do, there's a level of vulnerability there. And that can just trickle out into so many other things into, you know, wanting to be perfect, wanting to make sure that you're always doing things right. Because when you're vulnerable, then you, you don't want to get hurt, right? You want to protect yourself. Um, and at the same time, when you lead with your heart, you give a lot of yourself. And so finding that balance for it's been a journey that I've been on myself. A big part of my journey in life has been bridging the gap between head and heart. Mm -hmm. And that's been a way that I've been able to serve my clients as well. And finding, I say that I help them make sense of the chaos in their head so they can stand more confidently in their power. And a big part of that is about connecting with your emotions, who you are at the core. And there's usually some sort of spiritual journey that takes place, start to go inward and do that kind of work and really supporting people to, to know that it's safe to be who they are, figure out who that is. And so they can feel more confident and courageous to show up and give in a way that is fulfilling to them, but also serves who they are as well. It's, it's not all about giving to everyone else. I think that's really important and that's key, but the people who naturally want to do that and just do that all the time, usually are the people who also need to learn how to give to themselves. So 
that's, I emphasize it that way. It's really important to learn how to give to yourself. And I say, do that first, because then you can give so much to other people and continue that cycle. Less burnout when you know that you're actually giving to yourself. So that's, yeah. Absolutely. When I started being more transparent and authentic, I stopped caring as much about what other people thought. Yeah. Maybe that's just me, but I realized if it's this important for me to share this message, then somebody out there is waiting to hear it. I mean, I was so scared to share the fact that I had actually met my husband before I left my ex. But come on, I'm not alone in this. You're people, not. People go through that all the time. And there's ethical or religious views on that. And I'm fully aware of that. And we've dealt with that in our own way. And you can judge me if you want to listeners, but I've made my bed and I'm sleeping in it. I know what I've done, but I had to share what I was going through. You know, I was in an abusive marriage and felt like I couldn't not share pieces of my story. I mean, I shared in previous episodes, how I was admitted to the mental hospital in 2008. It's not something that we need to be embarrassed to share all these life experiences we have gone through so that we can share them with people that need to know what we've been through so that we can help them. Yes. Kim, I love that you share that and are so upfront with that. I think that we might have this ideal vision of, of how we want life to work out for us, how we want things to play out. And then we get into it and we realize, oh, it doesn't quite work that way. There's overlap. And how are my beliefs serving me or hurting me in this? And then we start to realize maybe I need to shift how I'm thinking about this because interesting, you know, I was, you were given the gift of your new husband, uh, maybe at a time when you weren't expecting it, but it sounds like it happened at the right time. And how can that be a wrong thing when you see how much has come from it since? And I don't know. I think this is the whole like releasing of perfection, releasing of how we think things should be. The easier we can be on ourselves, the easier we can be on each other. I'll share I'll share something that I was embarrassed about. You want me to do that? Yeah. But actually, before you do, I just had to share this is crazy about my husband. I was with my ex-husband for 13 years. And in those 13 years, I never had a dream about him. And I dream oh. constantly. But... I started having this dream with a dark, handsome guy oh, wow. or with a dark stranger. And it was a recurring dream. And I would go in and just feel so loved and have the most amazing conversations in my dreams. And I would go to sleep every night hoping that I could like meet this person in my dreams again. And hmm. when I met my husband totally by accident in 2010, I mean, I was shopping for furniture on Craigslist because that's all the money I had for my new apartment because I was getting ready to leave my husband. Wow. And I decided to look in the men looking for women section. I was going to laugh at all the jerks who were looking <laughs> for women. And <gasps> all of a sudden I found my husband. I oh was my like, gosh. And I told him, I said, I am about to go through a divorce. If you're still single in six months, can you put your ad back up again? Because I would really love to meet you. That's not quite how it worked out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I started dreaming about him immediately as soon as we met. And I still dream about him multiple times a week. Oh my gosh, Kim. That's divine guidance. That's divine intervention. And that's the whole piece about being open. 
we can be gifted what it is we desire, but are we open to actually receive it? And because it may not come the way that we think, right? Like, so we think, oh, I'm not happy in my marriage. Well, then I got to end the marriage first. And then I probably have to be sad for about a year or two. And then it's okay for me to get remarried, right? Well, maybe God has a different plan and things are going to work out a little differently. The timing is not up to us, right? So I think that's it's awesome. never up to us. Yeah, exactly. So sorry, I interrupted when you were about to share your story. Oh, well, my story is, okay, so I wrote a chapter in a book called Positive Minded People. And there's so much in that, the chapter that I wrote, it's called Intuition, Can You Hear Me Now? And the story starts out where I talk about a friendship breakup that was incredibly devastating to me, but healing from that had so much more to do than just that. So, okay, so there's just a little synopsis of that book. But the heart of the story that I start out with in that book about my friendship breakup is four years I had a best friend who was a guy and we tried to do the on and off relationship thing about three times in the span of four years. And even when it didn't work out, we were still super close. I'd never experienced a codependent relationship until that friendship, that relationship. We just constantly were in contact with each other and it was a wonderful experience. But when I finally realized one day, oh my gosh, like we aren't going to work out as an actual couple, but we're too attached to each other. We need to like, oh my gosh, that's going to be devastating one day when we have to kind of like separate and meet other people. And of course, nevertheless, it was. Okay. That was a little bit of a tangent. What I wanted to share with you was that for four years, Kim, I kept trying to make this relationship work and be some um, more than friendship. I thought that I had to. I thought that if there are so many great qualities in our friendship and our connection, I mean, we, we did everything together everything. We, you know, we texted each other after work and spent hours on the phone on the weeknights. And then on the weekends, we would get together and sometimes do fun things and sometimes just go run errands like a married couple. We did everything together. And I thought that the problem was me. The fact that, that this isn't working out romantically. I was never the type that when I'm in a relationship, I'm thinking about someone else. So here's a little tie in maybe maybe to your story. I'm not sure. I was never the type that like when I'm with someone, I'm thinking about someone else. But when I was with him, I started to experience that. And I'm like, no, no, this is wrong. What's going on? This isn't supposed to happen this way. I'm not, this is not who I am. And I finally had to accept it's okay to not be attracted to someone. And if that is so huge for you that, and this is not to say that he's to paint a picture of how he looks. It just flat out, it was not there for me in that way at all. And I kept trying to force myself to be more attracted to him. And I just, I wasn't, and it was a big deal for me because it's just, that's something that I, that I want to have at least at the beginning of a relationship. And I kept trying to overlook one of my desires, one of my needs, and it wasn't working out. And it was coming out in these other ways of where I'm thinking about another relationship or another guy or, and I finally had to accept Kim, it's okay to want what you want. You like stop making this thing that isn't going to work be something more than it is. It's fantastic for what it is for this amazing friendship that we had, this connection. I mean, that was so amazing. And it didn't need to be anything more than that. And I think the reason why I forced myself for so long to try and make it be something else or to, to continue to be open to it being something else was because he really wanted it to be something else. And so his desire for us to become something more. And this notion that I had that, 
oh, I'm like some awful person because I actually want to be attracted to the person that I'm in a relationship with. I somehow had this notion that society is going to say that I'm awful <laughs> if I don't make this work when we have so many other wonderful things going on. And finally, he met someone else and good for him. He ended up getting married and everything. He got his happily ever after. And because I was constantly not operating from my truth, my world crumbled and I was ridiculously devastated. So that is my truth that I were for so long was embarrassed to admit. Yeah, we had a great connection. I mean, I don't know. Does that even sound like anything to you? It, it just for so long was so embarrassed to share that with people. So my first husband and I were high school sweethearts. And okay. I was so close to breaking up with him so many times during college because it just, I mean, there were signs that it was wrong all through there, but I was so afraid of hurting him. So I didn't, but I wasn't attracted to him. Okay. But I was afraid of hurting, hurting yeah. him. And I was at a bar with a whole bunch of other interior designers in New York City. And we had a discussion because I was curious, you know, how do you know when it's time to break up? Yeah. with somebody and they're like well have you been thinking about it for two seasons and I was like well I've been thinking about it for five years or like cam is time so I was getting ready to break up with him one even before we were married and then found out we were pregnant oh wow yeah so we got married and had another baby and it just got worse and worse I mean we pushed each other's buttons in all the wrong ways but I wasn't attracted but at the end, when it was just so bad, like I actually told him, I've never been attracted to you and I don't actually believe I love you. And I hate to say it, but sex and the kids were what kept me in it for so long. But there was not the attraction there. And you're so right when you said, I forget exactly how you said it because I was just over here nodding. But it's okay to want what we want. It's yes. absolutely okay. I mean, I went through that whole marriage watching movies like Sleepless in Seattle. And well, that's the biggest one that I can think of right now. And they talk about magic. Like the mother at the beginning talks about it was just magic. And I was like, what bullshit? <laughs> oh, yeah. What are you yep. talking about magic? That I don't have any of that. It's not even real. And then all of a sudden I meet my husband and I was like, oh. wow. And still, I mean, we've been together for almost eight years now it seriously is magic i see him walk in the door and i'm and he's actually been texting me the whole time like wondering <laughs> why aren't you responding are you okay and it, that sounds really bad he's not like that it's just i usually respond quicker <laughs> but i've been stressed out with the fire and such yeah. in at our house and but i see him and i'm just totally in love i get these messages Aww. and i i just remember how much i'm totally in love and yeah, don't give up on what you want. And when it's yeah. really wrong, please don't be afraid to leave. Yeah, I was exactly. afraid to leave. Like, I, I was just so afraid that I wouldn't be able to survive on my own with the boys. But it all worked out exactly how it should have. Absolutely. I think that when we continue to deny what we want or when we don't allow things to shift when the signs are there, I mean... Your story didn't end right there. Like you had a kid and you guys got married and things like that. But what you shared earlier about how things got worse, got abusive, right? Yeah, it's terribly emotionally abusive for me. And then it got to physically abusive for the boys. I mean, when you just sit there and something bad, it's just going to get worse. Exactly. 
So I feel like that's how it kind of played out in your situation. And in my situation, like there's probably a good chance that I would not have been as crushed and devastated. So I'm just going to say it. Like I got to the point where I was suicidal too. So it was bad. It was bad. And let me just then add the extra part to the story is that I was initially all sad and distraught because this friendship connection just completely ended. It felt like the rug was pulled out from under me and it was just ended out of the blue, but it, it all went back to having an absent father. So that to me is the root of the problem. And I talk about that in the chapter, but when I was in the thick of it at the beginning, you know, I'm not thinking, Oh, it's because my dad isn't ever there. And that's why I'm so sad about this. I felt like this is back when I had the mentality of two halves come together. I now think that you have two holes that come together and make magic in your case. So, but back then I was a half of a person and felt like, Oh, my other half isn't here anymore. And I was ridiculously crushed and crumbled. And had I followed some of those signs and intuitions earlier on about, yeah, Kim, this isn't going to work. It probably could have been an easier separation or us maybe still staying friends. And then we meet other people and start dating or something of that sort. Now with that said, that wasn't the outcome. And I actually, I can't regret the way that it did play out either because I learned so much from that experience. And I eventually found what I, I just say that, you know, I found me, I eventually developed a stronger connection to who I am at the core and started doing more of my own inner work. And this was also back in 2008, Kim. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I love that you shared the story about you and your ex-husband. And I hope there's anybody listening, you know, if there's something they're afraid to admit or to share, or even if it's just admitting to themselves, because that can be really scary. Like, oh, yeah, it can. Yeah, it's okay. Like whatever your unique situation is, it's there in your life. I think that it really serves us to learn from everything. And it may take a while, but what are your unique circumstances and what can you gain from that? What is that teaching you? What is that showing you? What is it teaching you about yourself? And there doesn't have to be anything wrong with that. There's everything right with that. I feel like that sounds really cliche. No. Okay. So having gone through a whole bunch of pregnancies myself, I'm thinking about when I had cravings. Okay. May you be blessed to experience this someday. If you withhold yourself from whatever your body's craving. And even you don't have to be pregnant. Like my husband just laughs sometimes when I'm craving milk and I'm not pregnant. He's like, what is your body telling you when you withhold that? I mean, you need it. Well, okay. To a certain extent. I mean, if you're a drug addict, you need (laughs) to kick that, but there are things in your life. Like love is one of those in my opinion, essential things. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. What is your body telling you? Yeah. I don't think your heart won't take you in the wrong direction, in my opinion. And even that is a journey. Like there was a time where I had to literally sit down and ask myself, what am I feeling? What is my heart telling me? Because I didn't know. And that sounds so weird to say, because certainly I could say, yes, I desired this or that, or I wanted that, or had emotions here at different times. Like we all have emotions all the time, but to really like start to tune in (laughs) with where you are. I mean, it was such an interesting experience when I would just stop and say, okay, what am I feeling right now? Huh? I have no clue. (laughs) And like, that sounds like every day here. It takes practice because it's so easy to get caught up in our heads. And 
Yeah, our brains are amazing, but there's another piece to that whole connection and direction. It's not just all about operating from the headspace. The heart really does inform the brain and figuring out what that means and how that works for each individual person. I mean, it's, I don't know, that was a whole journey for me and something I have to just continue to work on. I love it. I say I love it because I'm actually thinking we need to do a part two. Oh, I love it. I would love to do a part two, Kim. (laughs) Yeah, let's do a part two. Okay. I'm going to ask the listeners really fast to venture over to the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp398 and leave your comments down below. And if you would also please go over to iTunes and review the podcast, that would be so awesome. But Kim, I hate to do this, but we really are going to need to do a part two. Where can listeners find you online to connect with you? They can find me online at kimoneilcoaching.com or on Facebook at Kim O'Neill Coaching. And O'Neill is O-N-E-I-L-L. And I also have a YouTube channel. It's growing. I'm trying to make some adjustments there. But also if they just search on YouTube for Kim O'Neill Coaching, they can find me there as well. Awesome. And those links will be in the show notes. Actually, I want to challenge you listeners to in the comments below this episode, let us know what you want us to talk about. I've never put this out there. What do you want us to cover in the next episode? We'll start there and then we'll just see where it goes. I love it. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Kim. I totally enjoyed speaking with you and I completely agree actually, because yeah, I, I know I could continue on in a part two for sure. Yeah, definitely. Before we get to part two though, do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can leave with listeners for part one? Hmm, I think right now, just a reminder that anything is possible. And it's not about knowing how that next thing is going to happen or come to fruition, or flow into your life. It's more about being open. And keep your eyes open. Know that when you ask for something through your heart, through your emotions, and through your words, then things start to flow in. And so I'm just thinking about, you know, your story when you were in your marriage, your first marriage, and me when I was in a relationship thinking that this needs to be something different and not knowing how things are going to look if I say no to that or to move beyond that. Be open and know that when you ask and put that intention out there, things and people will start to show up. And so just know that there's always hope. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Ah.